Hello, everybody, and welcome to Portals Live. Coming to you from Times of Refreshing Christian Center, New York City. We are hitting Portals Live with a difference tonight as we have both our senior leaders in our space. Don't worry, we are socially distant and we have been keeping all the precautions. There's only us here. Isn't it nice to be in a little bit more space than our lounge room right now? Interesting, right? Well, if you would make welcome and make feel them, that let me start again, make them feel at home, please welcome um, our senior leaders, starting with Pastor Tony Cassis. Hello. That's enough. And if you could make her feel welcome, the mum of the house, who gave us an amazing encouragement tonight about being ourselves, Dr. Robin Cassis. Hi, guys. I got to look at this camera quick. You just got to look. It don't matter. I yeah. gotta look at that one. Praise God. Directly at me. Hello, wife. We just gotta look. Hi. Isn't it great to be like here where we have some space? Because in our lounge room, oh, it's a bit. It's a big picture of Tony. Look at it's that. It's a big. <laughs> now, Dr. Robin, you're not gonna get caught up in that iPad, are you? No, I got it right in front. Yeah. I mean, if I had my way, I would have brought the responses up on the screen behind us, but that will be for when we come out of shutdown. So. That'd be good. Yeah, it'd be amazing. So. Oh my, now I We are coming right into the powerful message that Pastor Tony just shared and we called it No to the New Normal. No to the New Normal. Wow. And uh, again, I would just encourage everybody, if you haven't heard this message, you need to go and listen. You can listen on YouTube. On um, I'm not sure it's available on Facebook. So go to our YouTube page and then go also to talk.org and you can uh, view it. But at the moment, it will only be available on YouTube because it's taking some time to process, which is understandable. It's a big video. So, yeah, I really encourage everyone to go listen. This message was powerful. Pastor Tony really brought us into a great, great um, awareness that sometimes the tool that God uses to deliver us can be the, one can be the thing that bondage. puts us in bondage. Ouch. <laughs> And I need to do this one. <laughs> so, in true portals fashion, I just hit it with you again. In true portals fashion, if you are listening, if you are joining in, please let us know who you are, where you're joining in from on the comments. Remember, this is an interactive panel. This is all about asking questions and getting answers and really getting deep insight. My name is Pastor Nate. I'm your host for tonight and I am beyond privilege to sit here with these amazing leaders and get their wisdom on life. It's just so empowering. More than wisdom, it's revelation from the Holy Spirit. And we and uh, we know that when they speak, um, and as the Holy Spirit speaks through them, it opens up portals, hence the name portals, in our minds of what God wants to do and how deep he wants to take us in our relationship with him. So uh, yeah, if this is your first time tuning in for portals, I know we have some new visitors watching. The whole idea is that you'll have a, a little question mark um, box come up in the top right-hand corner or the bottom of the screen, depending on where you are um, watching from, either a tablet or a phone or even your computer. And momentarily, there will be a question box that comes up with questions that maybe uh, you want to ask. And so you can input your questions into that input field there. And uh, we get to see it on our end and uh, we get to ask these people 
get to pick their brains spiritually and we get to get, get some answers. So I'm excited. Hallelujah. Pastor Tony. Here I am. You just hit us with a word that was a lot. Right. So um, what's wrong, Pastor Robin? Can you fix that for me? I'm not going to let you. Put it up. You can't get caught in all these comments. No, I won't. Thank you. She loves to see your feedback, so keep I on do. giving her the feedback. I just But do. we know that we need those prophetic eyes because she's got blue on blue on blue. Blue on blue on blue <laughs> on blue. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, um, Pastor Tony, you were giving us a really, really powerful word tonight about sometimes the thing that God wants to use to deliver us or has used to deliver us can bring us to, to an actual place of bondage. So let's, uh, let's start that exploration and bring us into what the Lord showed you to share with our church tonight. Well, um, when I was asking the Lord about what to share, he, um, he downloaded basically that if, if this shutdown continues much longer mm-hmm. and we are believing that it won't, mm-hmm. then mentally we'll start to think of it as the new norm. Mm. And we, um, we can't let this lifestyle become the new norm because so much has been stripped from us as far as our, our liberties are concerned. Yeah. Um, we're literally being told, you know, what we can or can't do as, as people and especially as, especially as the church, yeah. we have to begin to seek the Lord as to how much the... Um, how much can authority um, interfere with uh, liberty, like the authority of the state, so to speak? Because mm. oh. this is this has been a big question in the um, God bless these stands. in the history of the church and of the world. Um, how far do we let the state dictate what is good for us or what isn't? Yeah, you know what is right, what is wrong. We we don't. We don't call what what is right and what is wrong based on any government's perception of mm. that. We base it on the word of God. Mm. So that was why we talked about the subject tonight. Um, what saying no to the new norm? I believe there are forces out there that want to make a more restrictive lifestyle the new norm. Mm. Oh, definitely. And uh, and we want to say no. Yeah. And and you brought us in in a way that, um, you know, we've been talking about Joseph in Genesis for quite a while now, using him as the example for building the whole, you know, theme around the cocoon. And, you know, again, God used Joseph's life and the children of Israel being in Egypt again to bring out this word about, you, you actually said that the fact that, you know, they stayed in Egypt longer, then they, there was a comment that you said that it actually hit me for the first time. You said Egypt was actually meant to be like um, a rescue, but not a permanent rescue. They were just meant to go there, get what they needed, and then press on towards the promised land yes. of Canaan. But they made Egypt their promised land. Yep. And that's when the Lord said, right, if you're going to make the temporary a promised land and not the permanent, then I'm going to have to allow some, you know, I'd, yeah. I'd like to add something Please. here. Um, when this situation happened here, uh, the, because it was around Easter time, mm. then things really hottened up, became hot, not hottened. They became very hot. Heated. Yeah. Very heated. And so then 
the churches were all preaching about such things like uh, the Passover because yeah. the Passover was there. But the the example of the children of Israel, you know, and the spirit of death passing over and so on and so on. And then what happened, church? You've forgotten that there's more to the story. Mm. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Why aren't we going on? Why aren't we preaching, moving on? If we went to the Passover, then there were things that happened after the Passover that took us out of Egypt Mm. and started us on our journey. I I just don't understand it. What do we do? Do we just grab one flavour and leave the others? Oh, Jesus. The flesh burning has begun. Very, very, very true statement. We started this whole thing seeming to... Oh, we're not going to let that phase us. We're in our Goshen. And then somewhere along the way... That's true. ...the report of the world has gotten in and it's diluted our authority and our stand. Uh, just I know from tonight the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to sing songs. We had another set list planned. And he said to me, sing songs all about authority because some people are being tempted to drop their sword. Yeah. You know, and even today in our church prayer meeting, as we prayed for tonight's service, the Lord really emphasized through the New Testament, you know, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, yep. you know, but against those principalities, powers, things, spiritual wickedness in high places. So how would you say is the process to getting to this place where we outgrow the cocoon, but more than that, we outlive it. And you said tonight, it's like we want to go back. It's like we don't want to leave. There's like this un, you know, underlying subconscious, I want to go forward, but I'm comfortable where I am, so let me stay here. Let's talk about that. Well, it's human nature to, you know, once you get familiar with, you know, your life, your lot, you start believing that this is all the, you know, that it is. And this mm. is exactly a, a ploy from the enemy to, you know, take away our our vision, mm. you know, and... And so um, it's been eight weeks now, Some in some places like nearly ten weeks, where there's been literally no freedom at all to go about daily business. And now most cities like New York have completely shut down except for what the state declares to be an essential service. Mm. That in itself is debatable about what an essential service is. But yeah. it's not our place at the moment on this discussion. But the point is... Um, we made the point tonight, there comes uh, the, the point where we have to go to the Lord mm. and find out whether what authorities are saying is conflicting with what God is saying. So, um, so, that, that, so that we don't incite rebellion, Yeah. let's um, uh, maybe understand that. that, clarify it a bit better. When we go to the Lord, to find out the authorities, what they're saying and what he's saying. That doesn't mean we take things into our hands. It Mm. means we start to take things into prayer and we start to take authority in the spirit and we start to move the atmosphere, then we'll move the earth. But we don't move the earth to move the heavens. Yeah, wow. I think that's so powerful what you just said, um, Dr. Robin, because a lot of Christians, they see stuff 
they think that they've actually done what they needed to do, like they've completed the, um, I'll call it the changeover process of giving it over to the Lord. Yep. But there's always a step that the that the Lord wants us to be involved in. Okay, Lord, this is what I feel. This is what I see. I'm bringing it to your attention. But then if that was just the case, Pastor Tony, you've taught us before, it's not the I, it's not the me, it's the we. we. And so part of taking that up is standing in your authority, Yes, you know, and um, not allowing the negativity of the atmosphere to penetrate your Goshen. Because um, again, Goshen is meant to prepare you, you know, it's meant to be a safe space, but you can't, you said tonight, you can't have the same attitudes that you took in with you and cling on to them to take out because uh, Goshen's meant to get rid of that. That's the whole purpose of the cocoon. Am I right in saying that? Yep. It's true. I've seen there's almost like these two extremes. You have some churches who are, you know, not adhering any of the guidelines and then you have some churches who are, you know, following the guidelines absolutely to the letter. Mm. One's dominated by fear and I think the other one's dominated by a presumption. Mm. And so, so this is why the, the Holy Spirit balance needs to be found because um, we know what the enemy is doing, or well, some of us do, and then we know <laughs> what God is doing. Yeah. So it's what God is, is doing that's important because I think it was you, Pastor Nate, who said to us earlier today that, you know, the shutdown is under God's control. Yeah, that's right. Why hasn't the Lord allowed a a releasing of the church yeah. at this time? Does that mean that the Lord still needs to do something in, in us as his church? That's a question that we can only get answered by prayer and, and by seeking the Lord. Mm. Because, you know, um, the scripture says, when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. Oh, and so geez. when the church's ways please the Lord, wow. yeah. even our enemies will be at peace with us and we can find that Holy Spirit balance where we can obey government and obey the Lord at the same time. Mm, mm, very good, very so good. So we need, to present, good. We need to present to the Lord our arguments. He is the judge mm. and we need to present to the Lord an argument that will, will you know, have weight in heaven. Now... If we can find out what the accuser is accusing the church Come of on. to keep this us shut it, down, that's what we need to talk there about. It is, there if it there is. is a place that the accuser can accuse the church in America, and I believe he can, yes. on so many fronts, yeah. then we need to stand in the gap for the church on issues, moral issues, uh, social issues, church issues. And yeah. I think... If we're going to stand in the gap, that that means then we're not going to separate ourselves from uh, different situations with churches. Church, some churches are not walking in the same light as mm, other churches. That's right, and uh, that's you need to stand in the gap for that. Mm, wow. Yeah, what you just said, I think, is that you hit the nail on the head. The Lord said to me today when we were reading those scriptures, He said. Because I'm just, you know, um, going back to Pastor Robin's teaching on he's the God of both darkness and light. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes we do get this Star Wars kind of theology that, you know, um, like Darth Vader is just as powerful as like, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I hate to bring those, you know, terms in, but I'm using a, a term that everybody will understand. Like, you know, the dark empire is as powerful, but in God's kingdom, in God's, you know, setup. 
there's no comparison. Satan is not on the same level. So for even us to, you know, say, Lord, you fight the enemy, that's to that's to put him on the same level as God as a as a worthy adversary. He's not worthy to be on that same level. So that's why we have to take our authority. But something that you just said, I think is so, you know, important for us to take a hold of. God is the God of dark. He's the God of light. The Lord could end this shutdown tomorrow if he wanted to. Now, we know he works with man's choice. I think that's something that everybody should hear again. Yeah. The Lord could end it tomorrow. He could. That's the key. So what is the timing requiring us as the church to, you know, um, not just ready ourselves but like rebirth? There needs to be a rebirth you know, you you said tonight, um, no, it wasn't you. Actually, it was one of the other pastors. Pastor Wendell said, you can't take the spoils of Egypt if you've got the disappointments of yesterday in your hand. You've got to go out without them in your yeah, hand. Yeah, you've got to have empty hands empty getting ready hands. to take the spoils. Yeah. You can't use the same arguments of yesterday and try and take the spoils. So. You know, we sing that song, Egypt, and we've been prophetically singing, you know, my hands are ready, got my sandals on my feet, my staff in my hand. That's an outward sign of ready, but I think the Lord is now challenging us to say there's an inward sign of ready that we need to complete. What would you say? Well, if I was to think about what I just said before, I'll tell you what I was saying before, and that was if you feel that the church that you're in is ready, would you be challenged enough to go back and ask the Lord, is the church ready that he's waiting for? I'm just sipping my coffee here. I'm listening. Because if he has a remnant and they're not ready, then we need to pray for them to get ready. Yeah, yeah. This is so powerful because, again, last portal, last week, um, or the week before, we mentioned that the dark ages were only dark because the church didn't take up the mandate. That's it. You know, to run with the spiritual baton. And it wasn't dark because of the evil in the world. Now, there was a lot of evil going on. There's a lot of evil going on now, but that doesn't phase God. He's relying and requiring the church to be the leaders of history. History is built around the church. You know, it's not built around the world. World events happen to further the gospel. We've learnt this in foundations. We've learnt this, you know, theology one-on-one. Pastor Tony has showed us throughout the timelines of history. God has used history to encompass his story of the church. You know, and yet we seem to be in hindsight and we seem to be allowing, you know, a, um, a false narrative to depict what our history will be in this moment. But history is his story. So if it's his story, the main characters of his story are his bride. So he can't, uh, so we can't be waiting for the world to tell us what our story is. It's all about his story. And and we had, I think that's one of the major keys. We've forgotten that. He's running the show. No, Jesus. No one else is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No devil. No league. No um, powers uh, of government. Nope. None of it. Nope. They can't lift their hand unless he lets them. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, 
Pedaling back to this topic. So it might be good for us to go back to God and say to God, it might be good to go back and say, well, what is it that I need to do? You think I have to keep getting fixed up? What if I just need to start lifting up those that are about to get the light to get it? Flash burn, flash burn. (laughs) It's true. Bit of a toast there. And I think this is accountability and this is a bondage that I want to address. Every time that, you know, the Lord takes us through the process, do we make it about us more than we need to? Do we get a satisfaction about always having to be fixed, like a negative pride that comes out through the spirit of inadequacy and rejection? Because, um, you know, Pastor Robert has told us multiple times, get suited and get booted and get back out there and get ready and go after the kingdom's domain. And, you know, if you're always like the enemy's like ploy is to have us so self self-obsessed in this moment. Well, I didn't say this right. I didn't do this right. I didn't think this right. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'll never measure up. Blah, 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 blah. It's all about me. It's so like selfish if you really recognize the attack. Yeah, I think so. It is selfish. If you know that you're not being disobedient, if you know that you're you're endeavouring to do everything that the Lord is leading you to do, then ask him what he wants you to do for him. Yeah. Because he might want you to stand in the gap for someone he's about to talk to. I think a good sign, and then I'll take into it in question um, after. Yeah. I think a good sign, what you're saying, Dr. Robin, is a good sign of, of uh, again, a barometer. We love barometers on this. A good barometer of I'm testing whether you are... Uh, ready is can God make it about someone else? Yes, yes. And not just about you. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Is your, um, when God made it about you to bring you into Egypt to bless you, now he wants to make it about somebody else, are you still holding on to him trying to make it about you? You know, has your instrument of deliverance become a bondage now that you've gone from victor to victim? Because this is how victim mentality is born. It's not, you know, I've been hurt by someone or it's more, you know, I am the hurt party and so I need God to fix me all the time because, you know, um, me being hurt, I always need to be fixed. This is that self-absorbed, self-obsessed victim mentality. You can't get up and realise that you've got the victory because you're so used to getting the euphoria of being fixed. So... And maybe I could just ah. I could just encourage Talk New York and uh, Talk Sydney. I think you're doing fine. Come on. So stop looking at yourself and looking at what God wants you to do for someone else. Mm. Are you brother's keeper? Wow. Are you your brother's keeper? Oh, that oh. journal's coming out very soon. Very All right. much so. Wow. Okay. Powerful start already. There is no breaks in this one at the moment because we have a lot of questions and I'm not doing a jingle because we're keeping that for the podcast. So let's go to questions because there's a lot coming in. Okay. So Jackie is tuning in again with us. Beautiful. Hi, Jackie. Great to have you with us. And Jackie is asking, how do you live for each other 
um, without being worried and, and sorry, how do you live um, for each day? I think she's saying without being worried and anxious about deadlines and obligations from the world. That's referring to Pastor Robin. You talked about living for the, the day and not, you know, three days, four days, five days, some of us 12 days ahead. Well, the same same answer should be as it was before the coronavirus. <laughs> and, that, and that is, this is the answer. You have to find out God's priorities because that is the only ones he's going to meet. And you belong to him. Mm. So he'll tell you his priorities and then he will touch them in such a way it will work. Mm, good answer. Good. Pastor Tony, you have anything to add there? Yeah. Okay, I think also, um, again, so many courses that you taught us and they just are just mind-blowing revolutionary things for our relationship. You taught us that in um, Abiding in Christ. If we find the priority that God is emphasising for the day, I find, I'm not saying this is a one-time you know, rule for everyone, but I find if I prioritise what the Lord is prioritising, everything else fits into its place. It does. It does. God will find time. Because whatever he's prioritising is what he wants you to do for that day. Mm. And so that requires a little bit more of a trust to go against your logical thinking yeah. And think, could, well, you know, could God be really prioritising this? That doesn't really compute into my head. I've got to do this. I've got to pay this. Then you, you, know. then you ask the Lord, if this is your priority, then you move upon it. I'm going to do your priority. Show, show me how you're going to move upon this. And if you have to move people out of the way, move them out. If you have to move them in, move them in. Whatever you have to do to show your priority for the day. Mm, very good. Come on, Pastor Tony, you can add something there. I really don't have anything to add. Okay. It's covered. Cool. Wow. Praise God. All right. Next good. Question. First set of questions. Starting with a good, good question there. All right. Jihei. Welcome, Jihei. We love you. We miss oh, you. I haven't heard from her for a week. Okay. So <laughs> no, Jihei has... <laughs> <laughs> 30,000 questions. No, I'm joking. Um, Jihei, good question to start us off. She says, as Christians, where should we place the line between saying no to the new normal and abiding by the rules and regulations set by the government? I'll let Pastor Tony go yeah. that way. Well, Dr. Robin mentioned earlier about we if we um, follow the guidelines as far as, you know, the facial masks and stuff, then really... Our motivation is not to offend other people. You know, mm. you, you may be sure that you're clear of any sickness, right? But people outside don't know that. Yeah. And so because of their yeah. fear, they're going to be upset when they see people, you know, not covering their faces or not keeping their distance. Mm. Yeah. Now, that's, that, that doesn't mean that you'll be walking in fear. But again, rather than make them stumble and make – make us Christians look like we don't care because we do care, we will wear the mask on that basis. So that's where you draw the line. Okay. But we're not doing it because of fear that we're going to get sick or fear that, you know, we we can't walk outside. No, when we're outside so that other people don't feel fearful, mm -hmm. and believe me, there's a lot of fear out there, a lot of panic actually, a lot of hysteria. Yeah. Mm. Um, we will cover our faces, but as as long as you're, you know, like the prescribed six feet or one and a half metres apart, mm. 
then you're not even obliged to wear a face covering. Mm. It's only when you're in close proximity uh, within a six-foot, you know, radius are you required to wear a face covering. And Mm. I say face covering because they allow scarves or handkerchiefs or, you know, um, we've seen some people with those space masks (laughs) over their eyes and They look like Buzz Lightyear, yeah. It actually would hurt to wear that. Yeah, but, I mean, again, what kind of message do you tell people when you're wearing that, that face shield? It's like you're on another planet. And this is what we need to avoid. We don't want to cut off people completely. Yeah. God made us to interact. Yeah, that's good. I think think also um, I heard it actually said on one of the programs, you wear them really for the other person. And I don't know if they knew how true that really was. Yeah, yeah. Not just for the health but also, you know. The respect. The respect. Yeah. And because there is such fear there. Yeah. And, and so we don't want these people to go through a needless fear. Yeah. I said it to um, someone yesterday when I was walking outside. I said, you know, to the normal person that has that, you know, security in Christ, that normal Christian, it, wearing it could seem like ridiculous and could seem, you know. But then I said to that person, but I mean, if I was in their shoes and I didn't have my trust in the Lord, I would probably be very afraid. You might wear one of those. Yeah, just on what's being said in the media alone, Mm. you know, will scare you, frighten you to death, literally. This is why we said tonight in the the sermon, there's there's so much um, being intertwined through media and its interaction with the actual facts Mm. that they're painting a picture that is not really... 100% 100% correct. Yeah. Mm. Now, my experience, Pastor, with the masks is that I, I actually don't believe the masks filter the air from the front. They don't, according to the, I've been the wearing, professionals. Yeah, I've been wearing a mask for months now. And because I have to wear spectacles to see long distance, I know that the air coming from my nose and mouth goes up through the the holes, the cavities between the mask and my face, both top and bottom. So air is coming out of my mouth and nose and going out, you know, through the face line, not through the mask because my glasses all fog up. Mm. So it's primarily to protect the other person mm. that That's you right. wear one. Because when, when you cough or sneeze with a mask on, then the moisture um, particles as you exhale and sneeze, most of those moisture particles get caught by the mask. Yeah. They don't go through the mask. The air goes up up through your eyes and through your chin, like I said. Mm. But the, the particles that have the virus get stuck on the water particles that get stuck on the mask. Yes. So that's why they said not to sing because singing actually can travel the water particles at a faster rate than even breathing. And when you breathe in, there is air coming through the gaps as well. Yeah. Some air will come through the mask but not the majority of it because um, you've got to really suck really hard to make yeah. the air flow through the mask Yeah. and you're not to have any leaks. So what Pastor said earlier was, was correct. It's more... Uh, the person mm. who may be infected from yeah. spreading it out than someone catching it, you know, on the fly. Mm, very good. It's funny because <laughs> the Lord just brought something to my attention. In, like, you know, in life, 
we put on personality and emotional masks to protect ourselves, but the Lord wants us to put on this mask to protect someone else. So it's a good, it's a good contrast, you know? Definitely. Usually we have to get our mask taken off by the Holy Spirit because it's the self-protection mechanism. But this one he's saying, no, you can wear that one because it's, if it's for the sake of your brother or sister and, you know, you don't want to stumble someone with a little, you know, a more less of faith. So, you know, the scripture says you don't put a stumbling block in front of your brother if they're not at the level that you're at, you know? So um, I think that's really good wisdom. You know, what you said tonight um, was really powerful and there was a lot of comments on the chat when you said, uh, Dr. Robin, I don't wear the mask for myself. No. I wear it for others, you know? And that's a, that's a really good take to have on it, you know? Yeah, otherwise, um, uh, you know, the mask will become, we said it tonight, it's supposed to be a deliverance. No, it's become a bondage. Mm, yeah, very but true. other people that are wearing it, they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have yeah. answers. They're trusting every person's statements. Now, one person says one thing, another person <laughs> says another thing, so their trust is going everywhere. Yeah. You see? Yeah. We so only true. have – we have the Lord who says one thing and it never goes anything more than what he says it. Yeah. Wow. That's it. Yeah, you don't get different versions. No. You get you the real don't. version you know, if, each time. If a mask is to be worn so that it would prevent you from being contaminated, then you'd have to invest in one of those masks where it's got the rubber, you know, fascia which covers your skin completely uh-huh. and it has the the individual filters. Yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. With a valve. Yeah. So you can breathe in and, you know, through the filter and then breathe out through yeah. the valve. Now that, you know, you'll start looking like a spaceman <laughs> when you start wearing stuff like that. Now oftentimes welders and people who work around like natural gas pipes and so forth or in sewer drains will wear a gas mask like that. Yeah. yeah. But see, are we going to get to that stage where we got to go no. around with a gas mask? no. This is not. This is not good. Yeah. No. Right? This is because people don't even, have answers. Even the government, the federal government, acknowledges that people who have developed an immunity get this. There's a there's a couple of reports out that um, that the virus has been around a lot longer than January because uh, some people have developed uh, an immunity to it antibodies that would take at least 12 months to develop. Mm. So that, I think that's put, that puts a big spin on, on the fear. Yeah. I think we should stop talking about this virus because we made a comment when we first came back from Australia. The yeah, Lord the pulpit. Said, Do not make this conversation the virus. About the pulpit, yeah. About the pulpit. Okay. Yeah. The pulpit has much better things to talk about. Yeah. And so the norm... The norm. Yeah, I have what another is, question from that. What is our norm? Well, it can't be what we got now. Yeah, that's that's and that's a good question to lead us into this. Um, so, um, Christina's asking, what is a good balance between leaving the timing of this breakout in God's hands and praying, interceding for it to go no further? That's a very good question. How do we leave the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do? Because you said tonight, God will use the evil of men to accomplish his purpose. That is a powerful statement, very hard to swallow. Because then that means you have to accept some circumstances, you know, that have happened in your life. I mean, 
Very, very strong statement. Explain that because um, a lot of people were really, really, whoa, at that statement when you were preaching. I was on the chat. I could see it. Well, all I was trying to explain was like people would ask the question, why did God allow the Holocaust? That's a big question. Yeah, that was one that you mentioned. Very, very mm. true. Now, did, did God authorize that? No. no. Did God use it? Yes. yes. Mm. Only because he had to. Yep. He didn't want any of those Jewish people to die. Mm. So anyone who says contrary to that, you'd have to ask what is your motive, right? No, yeah, that's good. Because <laughs> let, me, let me tell you this, the Jewish people are not the only people that have been persecuted through genocide. There's been so many and it's evil. God is not the author of evil. Now let's bring it down to a more personal level. Yeah. There are times when we go through trials that we would call hell fire trials. Mm. We might lose a loved one. We might lose a marriage. We might lose a this or that. To say God authorised it or instigated it is not true. James makes it clear the blessings come from God. Yeah. Does that mean that God doesn't allow testing? Of course he does but he's not the author of the evil in the test. Mm. Remember, God, tempt, God tempts no one yeah. and neither is God tempted by anyone. Yeah, that's good. Okay? So it's, it's contrary to his nature to try and make you, you know, walk away from him. Mm. God doesn't want you to walk away from him. He wants you to walk to him. Yeah. So he's not going to create a scenario that wants to make you walk away from him. That's now, it. That's the the one. evil one will mm. throw things against you. Come on. Now, again, this is an age-old argument. Well, God has to let him. He has to let him not because it's his will to, but because man has opened the door through sin. Yeah. Now, again, Pastor, we don't want to They're get off legalist. course again. Yeah. The enemy's a legalist yeah. and... He has to have a doorway in before he can come in. And we're the ones. Oh, that's good. And we're the ones that open the door for him to come in, not God. Yeah, we see that in the creative nature of the Lord himself. Yeah. He will not impose himself on anyone. If that's his nature, you know, then the enemy has to follow suit. The enemy yeah. is not above that. So, like, um, again, this is such a big topic. When Ahab, the king of Israel, um, it was time for the Lord to bring his his kingship to an end. Now, in one of the chapters in 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 uh, I believe it's two kings, uh, uh, Micaiah the prophet, who was asked to prophesy whether there was going to be victory or not, yep. he said to Ahab at the time, he said, "I saw the Lord on His throne, and He said the people of Israel like lost sheep without a shepherd." And then the Lord said. Who's going to lead Ahab to his death mm. at Ramoth Gilead? Mm. Now, even though the Lord said that, right, God would not authorise it unless the accuser had been before the throne and rattled off all those <laughs> sins of Ahab and because of God's justice... He's a just judge. Yeah, yeah. When Satan writes off the list, 
Ahab has done A, B, C. He killed Naboth. Jesus. He's killed the prophets of God. He's allowed Jezebel to kill mm. holy prophets and, and innocent blood. Got to the point where God could not deny Satan access to kill him. Wow. Right? Wow. Remember when the Lord said to Peter, you're going to deny me three times, right? It was because Peter and the other disciples got into an argument about who was the greatest. Mm. And the Lord turns to Peter and he said, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. When you are, when you have returned, strengthen your brethren. Yeah. What did he mean that Satan wanted to sift him as wheat? He wanted to shake him like wheat is sift, right? It's sifted. All the chaff gets taken out of him. It was because of Peter's pride the enemy could legally say to God, see what a high-minded person he is? Yeah. He needs to fall. Give him to me. Wow. If Jesus didn't pray, Peter could have had the same fate as Judas. He could have gone out and hung himself through the guilt. Mm. See what I'm saying? Wow. But Jesus prayed. Peter came out of out of that trial. See what I'm saying? So yeah. um, did the Lord arrange that? No. Peter's arrogance and pride opened the door to it. I have something here that I think we maybe clarify. Uh, it was uh, Christina. She, she had a question there. Yeah, the question was... Um, what is a good balance between leaving the timing of this break out in God's hands, i.e. praying and interceding, or praying and interceding for it to go no further? Well, I think they're one in the same, Christina. Once, oh, that's good. Once you know that it's the Lord that has, uh, you know, said this is, you know, it's at an end, you need to keep praying now for it because I know it's at an end. That's a personal knowing. So that's the only way I pray. I'm not praying through this. Mm. I'm praying for it to finish. Oh, that's good. Okay, I think that'll help. But I think they're one in the same. Wow. If you just took it apart and took one half of it and then took the other half, you probably see they are one in the same. The Holy Spirit is getting us to intercede and then he can tell us why he wants us to intercede. Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, Pastor mentioned tonight something that was so interesting in the message. He said uh, maybe we should even find out Go back to the Lord and find out if the enemy has any grounds to accuse the church. Mm. Wow. The church, not a church, the, the church. church. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but it's it's finished and it I'm not going back into a cocoon, okay? Oh, that's good. I've already shed the skin. I've already got butterfly wings. I'm learning to fly them. I am not going back. I'm going forward. Mm, I'm going one day at a time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, God's grace will cover the church's sins to a certain limit. Mm. When you think about what the church is blinking its eyes to, there's a lot of politics in the church. Nope. There's a lot of uh, segregation and racism in the church. Nope. Uh, there are those who agree with the uh, the current 
administration and those who are ad- adamantly opposed to the yeah. current administration, that alone is enough accusation to bring the church down. Division, yeah. All right? Divided vision. Before the Lord in heaven, the church of Jesus Christ in America cannot stand blameless uh. except for the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so I recommend for all you saints out there, when we do pray as churches, that you pray for your leaders, you pray for the national leaders, the state leaders, the city leaders of the church, not the world, of the church. Yeah, yeah. Because let me tell you, as far as I understand and from what I've heard, the church is not the aroma of life to the people out there in the world. <laughs> it's the aroma of death and religion. Say this again. It's the aroma of hypocrisy. And so, why is that? Because we've misrepresented our God. Mm. And because of that, there is place for accusation. Wow. Okay. This is getting into a very, very great discussion about what we need to do to um, make sure that this cocoon. It's over. Is over and doesn't become a... Um, cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, cuckoo. I was thinking of one of those cities that, you know, you go to, um, not a city of refuge, but it's like oh, please, finding gosh. false refuge in the cocoon when uh, and false security, getting so used to being like, you know... in Not the w- wanting to face what's uh, the world. It's a fear... It's arrested of, development. Yeah, it's yeah. a fear of the unknown. So it's... Uh, you mentioned it tonight, Pastor. You said it's a fear of the unknown. And I said, well, yeah, it's like uh, they don't want to come out of something that's dead now. Yeah. It's finished. The cocoon's finished. It's done what it needed to do. Okay, so... Um, it's like the womb. don't pray for step-by-step things to happen so that we can get it a bit, uh, you know, a bit less pressure on us. I I want the whole thing over. Come on, that's that's good. that's the way I talk to the Lord. So I don't say, well, pray for this, that they don't have it that way and they don't have it this way and they don't have it that way. I'm not interested in that. I want God to be sovereign and move in it. And I'm not going to pray anything else. And to that, how does that fall in line with what you said about taking it one step at a time? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. Mm. Every day I'm praying this that prayer one step at a time. Lord, it's now time to finish this. Mm, I keep good. bringing it to the Lord. I didn't say one step at a time. Time for us to work through this law, yeah. this law, and this law, oh, and good. this law. I'm not interested in working through that, this yeah, law gotcha. and this law because there's never so many people. People are changing their mind. You could be praying for something <laughs> and they've so already true. changed it. So true. All right. We're going to come back and talk more about this because I love what you just said. The one step is when you know you've heard God. Yes. And you know that it's God, then you pray that one step through and you do nothing but pray that one step through. That's what you're doing. Yes. A lot of our trying to jump three to four to five to six to ten steps ahead is because we haven't heard God. And so we if and um through and we if and um our way through to find out, we test things to find out if they are God. So uh, I want to bring us into that discussion and more on the deliverance becoming the bondage tool rather than the, de- the instrument of deliverance. 
But we're going to take a quick break because I need to quickly just grab a glass of water and refresh myself. I'm still very, very parched from worship. Worship was powerful tonight. Let, let me say one more thing. i got to say this. Go for it. And that was uh, something ridiculous. You know, sometimes I, uh, you know, I'll try to watch something on television because <laughs> I'm so tired of hearing that word, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, you know, there's not much on there. So sometimes <laughs> I sit and watch the shopping channel, anything, you know. And now Green the flavour. The, no, I don't buy anything. The flavour is... Oh, we're putting out nice new pajamas. <laughs> uh, everything's about <laughs> indoor stuff now. It's, it's all becoming about industry. Pajamas and and all about long flowing, um, you know, nighties and such. <laughs> so we can be very comfortable in our shutdown. Well. I'm not interested. That's good. That's good. It has become an industry. This whole thing has, has become an industry become of itself. An industry. And that's what, you know, unfortunately people will allow it to keep happening if they don't go for the promised land and they get, you know, comfortable with living in Egypt. So You'll create an ungodly industry. So it becomes oh. their land. All right. We're going to go to a quick break. Two Hey guys, want to hear God speak to you personally? Then join us here at Dipping Night. It's every first Monday of the month at 7.30 p.m. To find out more information or to RSVP, you can visit us at dippingnight.torknyc.org. Hope to see you there. All right, we're ready to go deep into Portal and... Uh huh. There's no jingle on this one. It's just me fooling around. Say no to the new normal. <laughs> Come on, Pastor Robin. Say no to the new normal. No to the new normal. And what is Say no normal. to the new normal. Hey, Pastor, what is normal? I don't know. I Maybe really don't. we should discuss this. Everyone thinks they know what normal is. I don't have a normal don't thing have a normal. in my life. I'm awake at 1.47 talking about spiritual things. That's not normal, according to the world, but that's my normal. Why don't, why don't you ask your your little fella, Ezekiel, what the normal is? Why, thank you, my beautiful assistant. Look, she's got her mask on. She's all socially distant. Thank you. Spiritually connected. Oh, definitely that. So we're going to talk about the norm. Thank you. Why don't we discuss? This is, un this is just like... Live and, you know, very candid and unfiltered. So praise God. Amen. So, yeah, let's talk about that. I want to jump into some other questions. And I really want to unpack this deliverance becoming bondage because this is so good. If we could get this as the church. Oh, my Lord, we would save ourselves a visit to the deliverance room quite a bit. Oh, you know? yeah. But not even that. We would just be able to walk in the authority and freedom that we have and stop losing ground. But before we hit that, let's go into another couple of questions. I think Pastor had some comment to make, didn't you, Dale? About 
the new norm. She was oh, making comment about people buying pajamas. Oh no, I was just saying that is how bad it's got. It's the shutdown industry. But we don't want to go into that continually. Yeah, I it is an industry. To, it is, and yeah. I've seen it. But now I want to say to you that uh, we're going to say no to this new normal that mm. everyone is trying to give us. But guess what? There is no normal. <laughs> so what's new normal? Yeah. What is it? I have never had one day the same. And you see, if you have an attitude that something is the norm and should be done that way, then that's because you're in a routine. Yeah. It's a routine. Yep. And, uh, you know, um, we're not in a routine because we're not of this world. We're just in it. Mm, come on. Come on, Pastor. You well, normal, normal, I think, is just another way of saying average where you deal with averages. So the average person, for yeah. instance, the norm is it's a nine-to-five job. There we go. You know, eight hours sleep. That's normal. Why? Oh, what's that? Because the, <laughs> because the average person works for about, you know, eight hours a day and sleeps about eight hours a day. Well, that has changed. I don't think that's the actual norm these days, right? Now, again, yeah. Again, it's I'll statistics. Wait. <laughs> wait. And God doesn't work just with statistics. Yeah, come on. Okay? That's good. There were times when... Um, the apostles and Jesus didn't have time to eat. They didn't have time to sleep. There was yeah. times when the Lord would pray all night. But is that normal? That's not normal. Because the world would say mm -hmm. that's not normal. I Can I say what I... Because I really love talking on this subject because for so many years I use this as an argument with the Lord. Well, that's not normal. I need to live a normal life. <laughs> and he would say to me, what is normal? Your normal is different from everyone else's normal. But he would say to me, and I just want to put this out there, especially in Christianese world... I like using that term. I think we use normal as an excuse to not let the Holy Spirit run our life. I think that's pretty true. We use normal as a term to just say, I don't want to give up my right to call the shots because this isn't normal, Lord. And then he says, well, what is normal? You and know, then, and so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I sure do. Oh, that's not normal. Like, you know, well, I mean, if you want your life to be spirit led, you normal is not an option. So, so when he says that he uh, does new things all the time, you know? Yeah, but hold, I do a new thing. I do a new thing. Not a normal thing. And totally opposite of the normal thing. It's always different. Something new, something good, something exciting, you know? Uh, normal people never have anything exciting. <laughs> Come on, say that. But also, I agree with you about telling the Holy Spirit to stay out of this part yeah. of my life. We get a lot of people saying, well, a normal church operates in these hours, like, and especially on a Sunday evening. You know, we get these comments, you know, it goes it goes a little late on, on a Sunday. But the same people will probably go home early and watch the NFL or the or the football or, you know, and, and it's amazing how you can give up you know, your comforts when it's a cause that you really believe in. Oh, my Lord. I used to have the same people say the thing, and I used to say the same thing. Well, you know, you go home, watch TV, and then the Lord used to give me another thing 
when he said, when people, when they would say to me, well, the normal church isn't operating these hours. And I would say, yeah, well, a normal church doesn't have people set free from demons. And a normal church doesn't have, you know, drunks becoming sober. And a normal church doesn't have trauma related, you know, things getting healed. And a normal church, so if you want to be normal, then you have to get rid of all the other stuff that comes along with not being normal. Because yeah. you can't be normal and then have supernatural signs and wonders and things taking place. That's right. You know, a normal church well, hang doesn't. On, hang on. <laughs> An eight-week shutdown is not normal. There and, it is. And hello. Let's go there. Let's go there. Wait a minute. Hello. What have you done in eight, ta- eight times 24 times what? Eight, eight times seven. Yeah. Come on. That's a lot of hours that you've had all to yourself. Oh, Jesus. Can I? Here we go. The avenue of deliverance becomes the avenue of bondage. There it is. In all the free time that these last two months have given you, you haven't been to work and you certainly haven't been to church, okay? What have you done with all that spare Ah, time? Jesus. Can you make an account for every hour that you have spent in this lockdown to make it um, what's the word? Profitable for the kingdom. Now, that's not to bring condemnation. Yeah, come on. That's a good... But good, we have had eight weeks of literal thought. shutdown and you've had nothing but time for yourself, saints. Uh, what have you done with that time? Have you have you lived out your dream? Have you lived out your prophecies? Oh, Jesus. Have, have you written the book? Have you... Have you gone on the fast? Have you set time aside for God like you promised? Have you done all those things that you said you would you were you weren't able to do because you didn't have the time? I'm bombarding and, with hearts. And I am asking the same of myself. When you said I don't have the time because the kingdom has encroached on my time or the church has encroached on my time, you've had eight weeks. I think longer than eight weeks. I think it's 10 weeks. March 15 was shut down in New York. March 15, everything got shut down. What yeah. have you done? Can yeah. someone, can, they, can the camera get the camera team get a shot of me just doing well, this? Well, we please? have to ask this question because, again, it doesn't stick with God. Because for all we know, God has given us the time. Yeah. He shut the whole world down to declare a Sabbath. As, and what have we done? Oh, my God. I'm worried about my mum. I'm worried about my dad. Oh, I haven't no. fasted. I can't. I have to get up and leave. This is too um, flesh burning. I'm worried about everything. You know, I haven't fasted for it, but I, I'm worried about it. But um, I've had a good eight-hour sleep. Wow. But, you know, if pastor, it's even a little <laughs> bit. Come on. Breathe it out. It's a little this bit complicated. This is the truth. Come on. Now, I'm not putting condemning words on you. Yep. But seriously, if the Lord was to hold us accountable for the time during this shutdown, he's too gracious for this. Yeah, he is. But if he was, I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to see my list. What about your list? I'm with you on that one. Yeah, he's basically saying you've been crying out. <laughs> Come on, you've been saying, give me the time. But it works the opposite. I believe there's people watching and listening who've who've needed the sleep. Yeah. And they haven't got the sleep because they're on the <laughs> computer. <laughs> you haven't got the sleep because instead of sleeping, you're watching some stupid video. No, that's not me. Or you're, or you're on the computer. No, that's not me. Come on. Let's be truthful here. Yeah. 
You know, where all, God has removed all the excuses. How yeah. about all the journaling? How much journaling have you oh, done? Oh, Lord. Well, I'm excited to announce that on the new Soap Online campus, you're going to have nothing but journaling to do because that's a part of the new curriculum. And, and I know that your sleep, Nathan, i got to be truthful about you, uh, your sleep and the amount that you're having is uh, not much, but uh, I see you working all the time, but I... You know, it's funny because I said to the Lord, so I'm gonna, line. I'm gonna dob myself in. I said to the Lord at the start of the year, I said, I literally, I said these words. I was like, Lord, if I could just have four weeks where we have no ministry <laughs> and there's nothing on, I could, I can get this online campus done. I can get our transfer done to Flura. I can get all these things in the works finalized, and then we'll be able to, like, you know, launch the shows, the, the launch the new things on Talk TV. And um, I said, but yeah, that's never going to happen. Like, you know, that was me in December because I was like, we're going to go to Sydney. We're going to come back. School's going to start. Things are going to start. And then in this shutdown, in this shutdown, the Lord has used that time. I have been working on these things nonstop, just allowing the Lord to use that time effectively. So, you know, if the Lord was to ask me, what have you done with your time? I can say, well, you know, Soap Online is done. Talk TV is done. This is done. So, uh, you know, um, if you allow the Lord to lead you, you can use the time wisely. But I think what you said is very, very true. A lot of us have been saying, you know, if I just had the time, but the Holy Spirit is saying, well, you've had the time. What have you done with it? Did you bury it in the ground or did you produce some interest on it? And, and you know what? This is not to bring guilt or condemnation. No, this is to just to, if you to find, have an accountability. If you find yourself like others, where you have wasted time, mm. God is not going to condemn you for that, but he wants you to repent mm. for making judgments on the church, on its leaders. On him. On him, Ugh. on people, you know, I- I- who are your friends, your family, who haven't been normal. I guarantee <laughs> you, I- I'd like to add something into this. I guarantee you that uh, you would say something about God. What have you been doing in this shutdown? But I guarantee you, he's been working yeah. nonstop, yep. night and day, 24 hours a day, the yep. Holy Spirit moves. Yeah, powerful. Wow, wow. So this is one of the reasons, this is one of the excuses that turns the deliverance instrument into a yep. bondage. Yep. Where when we ask for, Sorry, when we get what we ask for, we do nothing with it. This is where you ask God for deliverance, you get it, but you don't walk it out. You ask God for breakthrough, you get it, but then you go back to being a victim. And this is where we transition from, okay, this is now, you know. Was, e- a, yeah. was a blessing, yeah. but now it's a bondage. Yeah, now Egypt was only meant to be four to six months. I'm good, you know, I'll be moving on. I like to use that scenario because that's so, you know, the visual of what you said, they were only meant to be in Egypt for four to six months just to get what they needed while the famine was on. Six years. Sorry, sorry, sorry four to six years while the famine was on. And then they were to go to the promised land but they got so comfortable in Egypt that they made it their promised land. Yep. They literally you like made it their promised. They forgot all about what the promise of the Lord was about they, Canaan. They didn't really even have the leeks and onions out of their heart because well. the moment the things started going wrong, they wanted to go back. It wasn't going wrong. It was just a test of faiths. 
Mm. You know, it was another test of faith. I mean, parting the sea was a test of faith. Moses going up and leaving them Mm -hmm. and then feeling like they abandoned him, that was a test of faith. It was all a test of faith. There wasn't something going wrong. God hadn't left them. He was there still with them. Wow, wow. So they wanted the leeks and onions, didn't they? They wanted to go back. Put up with more bondage, go back to bondage mm. rather than wait upon the Lord to see what he wanted. So how do we prevent that from happening? Where we get what we have asked God for, deliverance, and how do we prevent it from becoming a tool of bondage now that the enemy can use to keep us in a slave victim mentality? Yeah. Like what is the what is the what is the crux that turns it from blessing to bondage? I think um there's another side to this, okay. this scenario. There are things that we dream about and that we dream for to come to pass. And there will come a time where, you know, the Lord will bring your your dream into reality. But unfortunately if we don't focus on the Lord being the Lord of that dream and the focus of that dream because remember Joseph dreamed a dream Mm. and he went through hell in a sense to fashion his character Mm. in order for him to not let the dream dominate him Mm. do you you get what I'm saying he went through a humbling experience to the point where he knew that only God could get him out of his pit Mm. The Lord was Lord of his and dreams. And when yeah. God got him out of his pit, Joseph could look back and see that it was only the power and the grace of God that put him in that position. Joseph never forgot that it was God who put him in that position. And therefore, Joseph was never, ever tempted mm. to trust in the position. Come on. He always oh, very good. He trusted he always trusted God. Now saints again I'm going to hit a very touchy subject. I'm getting my flesh burnt and ready. Some of us want <laughs> God to give us a music career, an art career, an acting career, a political career. But unfortunately if God was to give you that career without preparing us properly, that career would make you walk away from God. Yes. Why? Because the fame, the fortune, the power would would begin to deceive you and deceive us into thinking that we somehow mm. deserved or worked it. for or yep. it is because of us that this is all happening. And this is the what Paul calls the deception of Satan, the deception of the devil. He says to Timothy, don't let a young man become a pastor too quickly <laughs> because he'll fall into the trap of the, de- the devil, which is what? Deceit. He'll start believing like the devil that he was the reason God chose him. It's not. I'm telling you. It's where a brother. You get the position because of the grace of God. If you start to forget that God gave you the vision. God prepared you for it and then God released it into your authority. If you start believing at any one of those stages that you were the provision and you were the authority, mm. you're you're gone, man. My Lord. You're gone. You will fall. How many Christians do we know that start how many stars do we know that started in the church, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, have left the and church. And they've made it really big. Mm-hmm. 
in the world yep. and they've yeah. forgotten their God. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We could name at least a dozen. Why big names. Yeah, I think that we forget. I teach this in our worship big, big teaching. Names. I think that we forget the human frame is not created to hold glory. It's created to give glory. Yes. And, oh, you know, very good. It's not created to hold glory. Every time we try to hold every time we try to hold glory as a human being, it goes against our created function and so therefore it corrupts us. We are created to give glory. Worship, worth-ship. What I bring worth to is my worship. Do I bring worth to a football game? Do I bring worth to a TV show? Do I bring worth to a lifestyle? Do I bring worth to a cause? That's worship. Can, you know? I, can I personally tell you something that the Lord is doing through this confinement? Please do. I will never, I don't like the word shutdown. You use the word I, seclusion. And seclusion, <laughs> like confinement, seclusion. I can handle that. Yeah. I like jail. <laughs> but not jail, not shut down, because I haven't shut down for one minute. But one of the portals said about the Father's love, mm. and that is my testimony. I am discovering a Father's love. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the thing. Pastor, that will get me through. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we all go through this phase where the Lord has to get our motive in the right spot. Mm. You said a couple of portals ago, not so much the who, but the why. Remember that? And then the yeah, the how. Yeah. Okay. Yep. But the why mm. is almost the most always the most important yes. question. Yes. Yes. Why do you want? What you want. Oh, Jesus. Okay. At, at the end Thank of the day, Lord. I believe Joseph, Joseph got to the point, whether I'm in jail or whether I'm a free man, mm. I'm going to trust in the Lord. Mm. Bam. He was, he was out the next day. Right? Up until that point, Joseph was still hanging on to his own power and his own, you know, giftings. But when that butler forgot for another two years about Joseph, believe me, something died in Joseph that yeah. only that two-year period It had waiting, to be that, yeah. He knew. He knew. He, he never, ever forgot. That's why I believe he was able to forgive his brothers because he never, ever forgot that God's hand of grace was on his life and that God gave him freedom mm. and promotion. And I, wow. I, I think that um, that we um, might just think about this and maybe we should ponder on it. Um, a lot of us have come further than we think we've come. Yeah, this is good. And, and I think we're going back around the mountain again. Um, back to the vomit. Yeah, we've actually overcome some of the things and I think you're getting a little nitpicky now. Mm. Look, guys, um, we're just praying now for God to bring us out. He's going to bring us out. He's going to end it. He's going to do it. But guess what? You don't even have to keep re-examining yourself all the time. Just get ready to go out and don't walk around that same 
um, yeah. tree again because yeah. I'm telling you on the next round you're going to go, oh, there's that same tree again. That will show you you're going round and round. Stop still and start to just relax in this and let him take you out. Yeah, if you – I feel to speak to that. If you have found – because it could be confusing. Why do I want what I want, but yet I'm, but yet the Lord's done the work. So do I stop? He has. You know, I, I feel to speak to that, um, Doctor Robin. If you found why you want it, then be satisfied with it, and don't feel like you have to keep questioning it, questioning your heart. Do I want it for the right reasons? But if stop the Lord killing your flesh. Yeah. If the your Lord flesh has, is dead, why are you trying to kill it? Yeah. If the Lord has established in you that your heart is after Him and that you want it for the right reasons then stop putting yourself on the cross because it's just selfish selfishness. That's really what it is. It's just selfishness. You're so used to being, you know, fixed that you're not walking in the overcomer identity that he died to give you. It's time to just, you know, dust it off, get up and get, get on with things because time is too short. Which brings me to a question that someone asked here and I think it's a good question. God told Abraham in Genesis 15... Your descendants will go through 400 years of slavery and then I, I will deliver them. was going to come up. So why did he tell them that to Abraham, but yet... Because he, know, he knew... The, the children e of Israel forgot that when they went to Egypt. He knew the evil hearts of Joseph's brothers before they were born. Yep. He knew the evil intention of Pharaoh's before they were born. Yep. Right? It's, 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 it's the question of God's um, sovereignty and, and in his predestination. And this is a big subject, but we can't tell a holy, infinite God, mm. um, you know, that he can't look into the future or the past mm. and do as he pleases. Wow. Like I said earlier this evening, God sees history as a written book. Yeah. He's outside of time. He can tell the beginning to the end and the end to the beginning. And if he can, he, he can go forward a few chapters and tell us before they happen how it's going to turn out. Mm. It's not that he overpowers people's wills. He's, to him, it's already been done. It's already in his, his, yeah. his history book. So when he tells Abraham, your, your children are going to be in bondage 400 years, he knows the decisions that people have made to get him in bondage. It doesn't mean that he wanted him in bondage. Mm. We ask the age-old question. Why did God let Adam sin? Well, some will say, well, God wanted him to sin to bring redemption. So that he he did Jesus. not. No, yeah. <laughs> no. He did no. not want Adam to sin. No. Right? Please. He didn't want Adam. Why did God let Lucifer sin? Mm. Well, he wanted him to, right? No, no. he no. did not. No. It's a choice. God is not the author of evil. Get that in your theology. Good theology means good prophecy. Good theology means good teaching. So we come, okay? come back wow. to, uh, so people don't misunderstand. We come back, he's not the author, but he's the God over it all. Mm. Yes. He, he is God over it all. He's yes. not the author of evil, but he's, he can make evil work through his purposes. He's the God. Right? Yes. There's we, no other God we except quote, him. We quote Romans 8. Mm. You know what? He makes all, all things. things work for good. Yes. Right? Yes. He makes all things work. In other words, he he can turn things that were meant like he to said, God, destroy to yep. actually build. Yeah, He gotcha. says, just like he said with Joseph, he meant it, 
you just yeah, meant it for, my, meant it for my bad, but God meant it for my good. There it is there. Now, that was great. Great theological, you know, explanation. But I want to bring up another point about that. You th- I know Abraham would have told his descendants what the Lord told him, the word. Uh, it could have got lost down the road because, I mean, Isaac was a joy and then there was Ishmael, that was a distraction. That's my point exactly. And then you had Jacob and Esau, that was another distraction. That's my point exactly. Uh, what's the point? My point ex- that I'm trying to make is that comfortability will actually help you to lose memory of your prophecies of what God has already spoke over you because Abraham would have held on to that, you know, but then Isaac, it wouldn't have been so important to him. Jacob wouldn't have been so important to him. You get down to Jacob's sons and if they, if they knew about it, then it's worse for them because then you would have thought that, you know, going to the land of Egypt and then realizing what was going on. Wait, this is the prophecy that, you know, they, uh, that the Lord told, you know, our great, great grandfather. And then if they didn't know, it's even worse because they didn't take time to pursue it. So what I'm trying to say is that whole mindset of being comfortable with being, you know, in bondage will void you of all the power that your prophetic words have got because you will not hold on to them. You will forget them very quickly because you'll be more focused about what you're going through now than what you're being promised for the future. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that uh, I'm sense. looking. I'm looking forward to the future. I'm looking forward to uh, starting afresh in New York in a, in another place a and world. a whole new world for me. Yeah, but ain't that world that they're saying out there? It's the no. world that God's got for me. And I don't use the word "ain't," but come on, guys, yeah. let's get this. But it also shows, Pastor Robin, even with our own like lives. Now, we were never comfortable, okay, with what we were doing in Talk New York. Like, you know, we were always being stretched, but we were getting used to it. We were getting used to doing oh. portals. We are getting used to coming to church. We are getting used to doing soap classes. We were getting used to, you know, it was becoming a little bit routine. And um, in this whole um, seclusion, the yeah, Lord yeah. has reminded yeah. me that we're to go for greater things. Yes. Like, what always, we were doing was not enough. Always pressing the up button. Yeah, it, and even though it was a lot, it was not enough. Yeah. So, you know, my dream needs to be bigger. I need so, to not affect 50 people. I need to affect 150 people. Like, to me, that's what the Lord has been reminding me. And I've seen that that word has come to pass with our online reach. I mean, just in this time alone, we've grown like, cra- like crazy numbers in our online reach, which is something that we never would have focused on if we had not been forced to focus on it. Could we just come back in a minute? Yeah. Thank you. I just have to get a new... Oh, you have to get a charge cord? We need to wrap it up soon, right? Yeah, we're coming to the end of it now. We're going to answer some more questions. Think on what I just said and what Pastor Tony just said and Pastor Robin. Uh, What have you done with the time? What have you done with the time? Has the time helped you to remember the, the words spoken over your life? Or has comfortability or fear or just being so used to being broken um, helped you to forget that you have a future and a hope and that future and a hope is activated by those prophetic words that are spoken over your life. So we'll...
Hello again, everybody. Pastor Nate here, and with a special, important update regarding Dipping Night and how we're、uh, going to be conducting Dipping Night in this crazy time. So we are not stopping Dipping Night. Pastor Robin has given us the go-ahead, and so Dipping Night will now be moving completely online. So we are going to be opening registrations this week. We're going to be having our prophetic groups, our prophetic art, and our prophetic leadership groups all operating via our Zoom online virtual web conferencing. So we are excited. This is going to be a new venture for us. So if you want to have more information, please go to dippingnight.talknyc.org, or you can、uh, visit our Facebook page and see social posts that will be posted shortly about it. And、uh, we are requiring everyone to RSVP ahead of time so that we can just manage, you know, the、um, people coming in. But yeah, we encourage you to join us because God is speaking in this time. There's not a shortage of the word of the Lord. He's speaking, and we want to hear what He's saying. So go to dippingnight.talknyc.org and find out how to register now. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if they heard what I said then, Dr. Robin. I don't know if they heard. I haven't even. Yeah, here we are. I'm back on. What did you say? This little intro, what you were talking about. Throw away your new normal. Oh. And start a new world order. order. <laughs> <laughs> look, come. Let, look, 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 look. Let no, let let her clarify because she had a really good point. Yeah. You gotta I, listen. I think that I'd like to challenge. I'm good at challenging. You、people. are. You breathe and you challenge people. How about it? If the new world order is excited about them thinking things are going to happen for them right away, why don't we, if we know that the Lord isn't, this isn't the end,、yeah. why aren't we excited, excited about our new world?、Mm. You know what it is, Pastor. You know what it is. They don't know. This is it. I'm challenging you tonight. This is it. To go back and journal and get it from the Lord,、yep. it's not the end, but the beginning of something. Yeah, you won't. You won't be able to, you know, come into this new if you're still trying to hold on to even just a little bit of the old. And by that, I mean if you think that this is the end, God is not going to speak to you about what He's about to do. Because you haven't got it established in your heart and in your spirit that he's still doing a new thing, you think this. You think it's over. It's not over. It's only just begun.、Yep. It's only just begun. <laughs> so back to that question. No, don't start singing. It's a new day dawning. Well, it, actually, it's funny because.、Um, Yeah, I don't want to go on to those、uh, tangents because I could sing. Can I、uh, just remind the saints? <laughs> right, eight weeks of seclusion equals one thousand three hundred and forty-four hours. Oh Lord, what have you done with one thousand three hundred and forty-four hours? Seriously. And if you take away eight hours a day of sleep, and that's being very generous, you still have. Right, nearly a thousand hours of you know awake time. Wow! <laughs> Way to sober us up. Wow! Come on. Okay. Wow! 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 wow. So I have a world order, a new one. <laughs> 
But it certainly isn't what the enemy's got. That's I'm right. telling you, there's more, more, more for me before I see heaven and more, more, more she's for pressing you. Like, she's pressing like about 30,000 times. Uh, and I think I should because <laughs> I think everybody should be pressing the love button. Wow. And that, that thumb, it should be going up Get in the air. Get your fingers up. moving on this. <laughs> I won't tell you the story behind that one. Get your prophetic. Fingers up, everybody. All right, Pastor Tony, before we went into the break, I asked you a question about if God had told Abraham years before. So some people want to have clarification on this one because there were a couple of questions that came in while you were, you know, um, refreshing yourself. Someone said, so if there's a prophecy of something bad like that, is that a warning that can be changed or is it a word that has to be fulfilled? Very good question. I'm trying to look it up in Genesis. And then someone else responded. I think it may depend on someone's response to the prophecy. Check out what happened to Hezekiah in Isaiah 38. So is that the case? Is it how we respond to the warning that can determine whether or not that prophecy is something that has to be fulfilled or whether it's something that can be re-maneuvered? Well, again, Abraham's prophecy yep. was, I think, unconditional. Okay. Because um, remember after Isaac was uh, sacrificed at Moriah, the Lord swore by himself. Mm. He said, if I swear by oh, myself that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will make your descendants as the stars of heaven yep. and, and so forth. So from that point onwards, um, Abraham didn't really have to do anything. God had sworn by himself that that mm. prophecy was going to be fulfilled. So that's what we call an unconditional prophecy. Mm. Um, your reference was when he he visited Abraham and Sarah just before the birth of um, Isaac. Genesis 15, yeah. Yeah, he said to Abraham that for certain your descendants shall be uh, in bondage 400 years, mm -hmm. in a nation 400 years. Now, he didn't specify the nation. No. And he didn't specify the bondage either. Mm -hmm. So your question was, well, wouldn't Abraham have told his sons and grandsons and their, you know, descendants that going into Egypt could have been the trap? Mm. Well, when they went into Egypt, it was a positive thing. Mm. But it turned quickly negative when the Egyptians thought they were being over overrun by Israelites. Yeah. Yeah, they thought they were gonna well um, and even further them. than yeah, just the them. the whole premise of, you know, them being told by their relatives or their family. The other part of the question is to help people understand online, just because the the Lord said that, does that mean that there has to be a fulfillment of that word? Or could there have been things to prevent that? Um that's a hard one to answer. Like you said that God knew the intent of Joseph's brothers the evil in their heart, but he gave them a chance, obviously, to not respond to that evil like he does with everyone, but he knew what they would do. Well, it really comes into the same category as some of the, you know, the major prophetic writings, like when Isaiah and Jeremiah were prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem because of Israel's disobedience, mm. 
Um, I believe that could have been prevented if there was a a, a certain amount of repentance. Because we see that with Hezekiah, like one of the guys brought out in that you know example, Hezekiah was told your life will end, blah, 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 blah. But then he because he extension. responded to the Lord's grace, yep. uh, the Lord obviously extended his life, you know, for a certain more period of time. So yep. I guess the question is, is if that prophecy is given, can something be done to change that? Yes. Okay, good. Good answer. Judgment can be either cancelled or postponed depending on Well, that happened to response. in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. That happened that happened in Sodom and, and even, Gomorrah. And um, even Nineveh like we mentioned last yeah, last, Nineveh last is week. One. And yeah. and but but I mean that was so much grace there. Yeah. Because the the earth was really bad. Yeah. At that time, really yeah. bad. And he he Wow, did the grace of God go out? Mm. You know, 10 righteous, huh? In the end, 10 righteous. Wow, how many people in the city? Wow, and he got to go down to 10 righteous. Yeah. Wow. But I think what you just said is the key. Judgment can be postponed and judgment can be cancelled if the grace of God is responded to for change and not indulgence. Yeah. Because if you respond to the grace of God just to indulge in it, that's not the purpose of grace. It's to it's to change you. It's to make you more like Christ. So, you know, again, with Nineveh, we see, okay, they responded to God's grace, you know, and they called upon the name of the Lord. But we see even with Sodom and Gomorrah, they didn't respond, you know, and mm-hmm. so... And maybe that's something that we need to We need to know on. one thing. God is not judging the world with this virus. Oh, there it is. Jesus. So I just want to just quickly quote out of Genesis 15. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, mm-hmm. where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years but I will also judge the nation whom they will serve and afterward they will come out with many possessions. So God was giving Abraham foresight. Could they have avoided going into that bondage? I'm not sure for there's no real record of them praying against it or even being aware of it. Um, I think Abraham sort of knew in his heart that this is something that just had to happen because God knew the hearts of men. And again, God is not saying this to Abraham because that's what God planned. No. This is what decisions of man mm, ended that's up important planning. To remember. Yeah. For instance, we, you know, we talk about the same instrument of deliverance can become bondage. Yeah. Jacob's instrument of deliverance after Esau wanted to kill him was his uncle Laban. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uncle Good Laban's house was his refuge. Yeah until he got his two wives and then Uncle Laban's house became his jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He couldn't wait to get out of there. Yep. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And and God said to him, leave this place and go back to, you know, where I've promised. Mm. So it's the same with Israel in Egypt, Mm. right? He didn't want them to be slaves, but he used the slavery to build them up as a nation. Mm. Mm. You know, um, some Christians have to go to hell before they get to heaven. And with that, cue the fallout on the floor. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's the norm either, but 
you know, um, a lot of people get up and they testify, you know, I used to be this and I used to be that and God had mercy on me. Yeah. And that's just another way of saying, well, God knew I was going to make all these mistakes and he gave provision for it Mm. by his grace. Wow. Powerful stuff. So it's the age-old question, do we do evil that good may come? No, no we don't. No. no, and we need to we need to get rid of that too because that's something else that always keeps coming out. Oh, God, you know, did evil but good came out of it. No, that isn't the character of God to do evil. Mm. He's the God of all and it isn't his character to do evil. He doesn't do the evil. The devil does the evil, we do the evil. Mm. But he's the God of all. I've, wow. heard, I've heard Pastor Christian saying God wanted David to sleep with Bathsheba. I've heard that one too. To bring forth eventually Solomon. Mm. Yeah, I heard that one too. I've heard Wrong people say theology. I've heard people say God wanted that person to be raped. That is Oh un- Jesus. We that rebuke is that. Such a lie. We rebuke that. That is wrong theology. All right. So bringing this to a, you know, sort of wrap up and a conclusion and I'm going to finish with a really good question that um, Jackie's asked because I think it will really practically help Christians. How how Um, have we been going? How are the questions? The questions are good. There's not so many questions tonight. I think it's more deep thought. People are responding, which is good. There was some good questions. You, you you mean to tell me they're actually getting ready for their new, Maybe. Their new world order? New world order. But this is not incredible. the devil's world order, but the new world. Yeah. The new world. Yeah, they got it right, but not the right. The new Jerusalem world order. I don't know. No, that's too long to put on a T-shirt. Anyway, <laughs> um, my next question is, Deliverance to bondage, first very sort of process, I'm a process guy. What are the steps that, negative steps, that turn something that was delivering us into a bondage? Help the people listening. What are benchmarks? And then my next question will be, if they realise now that that thing in their life has turned from an instrument of deliverance to an instrument of bondage, what are the steps and what are the things they need to work through with the Holy Spirit to get out of this bondage quick? First step, first question, what are the the benchmarks? My question, what are the benchmarks of something turning from deliverance to bondage? Well, it becomes an idol. Okay, good. Okay, so now what God has provided has become the do-all and end-all. Like the snake you mentioned tonight, yep. Okay, for instance, the brazen snake was a method of deliverance. Yep. Israel made it an idol. Yep. Right? They worshipped what was the answer Mm. and not the God who gave the answer. Mm. So you might end up worshipping your dream and not the God that gave you the dream. This was the key for Joseph. Joseph never worshipped the dream he got. He knew that God gave him the dream. He always worshipped the God of the dream. How do we know? Because at any instant, God could have said to Joseph, give up the prime ministership and walk across the, you know, the river and go back to Canaan to your father. Yeah. Why didn't Joseph go to Canaan after he became prime minister? Mm. Hello. He could have. Yeah. He could have gone searching for his brothers and his dad. Yeah. No, because he had to trust God Mm. to, to bring the reconciliation. All right. So one, one big one. 
Very idol good. in the heart. Don't what? make it your on, idol. Don't make it your idol. Hearts. Don't, don't own it. Don't own it. Don't own it. This don't gift is not yours. Mm, don't make an idol in your heart, but press the heart button. <laughs> that's good. And, and something else that you mentioned tonight too, um, when you said the dream, uh, Joseph always focused because even sometimes the ability to dream can become an idol, not the dream itself. Just I want to be able to dream. That can't take the place of being in relationship with God, hearing his voice. You know what I'm saying? Like we get told so much from the pulpit today on this international platform, be the best you, you know, be this and be the greatest this and that. And it, and God does want us to be that. But I also see it It sparks this ungodly, you know, thrust of ambition. Success. And success Christianity. Like if I'm not a success, then I'm not a good Christian. You know what I mean? If I'm not a millionaire, then I'm not a good Christian. I mean, come on, people listening, this is what's being preached. You know, the favour of God will show if you have a hot car, a hot wife. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hot wife, hot life means you're good with Christ. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so we have to show that, um, you know, that isn't what we're to focus on. You know what I'm saying? Like that's when those things that are meant to bless us will become the bondage because now we'll feel depressed if we don't have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the audience. No, let, 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 me have a, let me have a joke. Please. I'd like a joke. You know, so you're talking about having a hot wife, <laughs> you know, uh, that, you know, you've got the favour of God. Hang on. God's got a hot wife. Oh, you? no, Jesus. I'm usually going to say it. The church. The hottest one. The hottest one. <laughs> and he gave it to his son. Oh, Lord. And made it the bride. We are pushing the envelope on that one. The church looks so much like the world sometimes. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I was going to say, at, Pastor. At the current state we're in, but Pastor Robin's talking about the state we're going to be in. Yes. She's not focusing where we were. She's she's looking I'm where we're going. I'm going from looking back and I'm not going from getting there. We need to have a new stand. This whole outlook of we positivity is very good on you. I like is, it. I'm there looking back. That's where Paul was. There looking back. Mm. We need to be there looking back. Mm. I just want to plug my second book. Oh, oh here we go. <laughs> which is coming very soon in the new year. Oh, I believe that. It's oh. called The Unsung Heroes of the Bible. Okay. People that you only hear about once okay. and never again. And without their contribution, never history, would the same. history would not be the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. They, they're the kind of men and women who are the nobodies that God uses to do incredible, incredible things. Yeah, yeah. Right. For instance, who's the hero in the book of Esther? We said it, Mordecai. Mordecai. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And who's the hero in the book of Genesis? It's definitely Joseph. Mm. Definitely Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. Not even yeah. Abraham. Yeah. Abraham was a big part, but no, it was Joseph. So this success Christianity, this model of, you know, I have to, that can also be a bondage. You know, sure. because you, the Lord gives it to you. And then let's talk about the people that do get it. And then, like you said, they worship it. And now it is the Lord of them. And they're not, the, and they're not giving it to the Lord to let him be the Lord of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you said idol in the heart, you know, um, uh, focusing on the dream more than the dream maker. Yep. What's another couple of things that we can help the people at home to understand, to realize this is a, a dangerous path if, to see. Whenever you, you settle into a comfortable norm. So a normal 
if you're trying to look for a normal When life gets easy, look, and it's not that God wants you to be in hardship all the time, but when life gets easy, you tend to, if you're not diligent, Mm. you'll tend to drop the spirituality and rely on self-confidence and not God confidence. Mm, That's good. Okay? So that you've got to be aware of that. This is what's brought down major ministries, guys. They've, they've gotten laxed in prayer and in diligence with being a watchman and the enemy gets in. Mm, you know, yeah. you, you just got to be careful. Wow, wow. And when you said God said that it, uh, God uses the nobodies, I want to bring a little clarification to that because, um, you know, yeah, God uses the nobodies, but the purpose that he uses the nobodies for is not so that he can vote for the underdog to make them feel better. That's the world's way, you know. He uses the nobodies because the nobodies have no power in making it happen. And when a nobody is used, it shows that only he and he alone can make it happen. Because we've got to get rid of this, you know, he uses the nobodies because the nobodies deserve a chance too. That's a worldly mindset. When God uses the nobody, it's because that nobody has no power to change the situation, no authority. They can do nothing. Let it it be God. And that's where that focus comes back. Because the nobody could fall easily into worshipping the fact that God uses them as an idol just as much. I think that God uses the nobodies for the reason because they lean so heavy on him that he makes them the somebodies. Yeah, but don't rely on being a nobody oh, for God to use you because, again, be, that's a false that, thing. That, that nobody thing means that I know that I can't, I can't do anything other than Christ in me. Yeah. That makes me a somebody oh. and you too. Jesus. Next question. Okay. Now, what do people need to do? if they realise that they are, you know, manifesting some fruit of this stuff, some idolatry or they're realising that they've been holding onto it too tight, they're focusing on the dream more than they're focusing on the dream maker, things that you mentioned, how can they jump quickly back in to, you know, this being a blessing and not bondage? Well, I believe the first step in a lot of these trials to, to get out of the trial is prayer. Okay. And I don't mean prayer where you do all the talking. I'm talking about being still and listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Mm. Now, that's a start. But the second way out is to listen to your family and your critics. Mm. Usually, usually God has someone Mm. bearing witness that something is amiss. Mm, That's good. Okay? You might be... You might be neglecting yourself physically or mentally or emotionally. You're not resting enough. You're always in a hyper mode of work. You might be neglecting family. I'm that one for myself. Family members. It's now driving you instead of you controlling it. It's mm. driving you. Oh, Lord. It becomes an obsession. <laughs> Success becomes an obsession or fame becomes an obsession. And you got to pull on the brakes, take yeah. a break if you have to, and slow the heaven down. <laughs> okay? The heaven down. 
You've got to slow right down because remember being still before the Lord. You need to be like Philip. Philip was in the middle of a citywide revival. Yeah. And God was able to get him while he was asleep, nudge him and get an angel to say, hey, drop this revival. I want you to go to meet an Ethiopian mm. in the middle of the desert. Wow, good example. In the middle of the desert. So he goes from a full-on citywide revival to one soul in the middle of the desert. Now, Philip was a man trying to make a name for himself. He would have disobeyed. Yeah. He would have said, the action is here. I'm staying yeah. here. Now, you know? could you... Just wow. repeat that question because I'd like to come from a different yeah. angle. The place where someone realises that they are, you know, manifesting these things of showing idolatry or the dream make, the dream being greater than the dream maker and they're realising that now as we've been talking, what's the steps that they need to do to get them out of that where the blessing becomes the bondage and it becomes a blessing again? So what's the step for finding out you're not abiding in Christ. Mm. What is it? Start abiding. Mm. So the step mm. for you yeah. is to not carry on. Figure it out. Trying to figure it out. Okay, God. Wow, that was a mess today. <laughs> but guess what? I think I'm going to do better tomorrow. Yeah. Because my, my answer for you is what I said, my testimony is that during this, con, this confinement, seclusion, seclusion <laughs> whatever you want to call it, no, it's not jail, <laughs> seclusion or confinement. During this, I have gone on an adventure. I gotta yep. say it like mm. this. I've gone on an adventure mm. to find the father's love. And you know what? That's great for me. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. And every time the world tries to interrupt that, mm. I watch for it and I deal with it. Yep. Because nothing's going to stop my journey. Nothing going to stop my praise. We sang it tonight. Also, Nate. Um, and that's God, it. That's my side of yeah, it. Yeah, very good. Pastor, you know this as well. When when God asks for something back and you can't give it back. Oh, Jesus. You know now it's got a grip on you and you don't have a grip on it. Yeah. I said to her... Um, but funny I, I believe people have come further than they even imagined. Come especially on, in encouraging. our church and in the church in Sydney. They've come further than they even imagined and they're starting to go back over the same things, which is nitpicking. Stop the nitpicking, guys, mm. and just start relaxing and enjoying, enjoying um, overcoming. Yeah. Uh, enjoying uh, getting through the day and dealing with those thoughts, but you want to kick yourself because you had the thought. How about you start enjoying the fact that you overcame the thought, that you dealt with the thought, that you cast the thought mm. where it belongs? Wow. Yeah, the enemy will have you build pseudo-identities oh, in definitely. anything. Definitely. You can build a pseudo-identity in the fact that you don't overcome. You're, no. you're that person that never no. overcomes. No. 
If you don't think that happens, it does, you know, and you can build a false identity and always being the one, like I said before, that has to be fixed, always being the one that has to be corrected, always being the one that has to be adjusted, always being the one that gets it secondhand, you know, like we build so many pseudo identities um, that are not our real identity. And uh, I love what you said, Dr. Robin, realize that you've come further than you think. Yeah. And that requires you to trust the Lord's word above your own word. If God says you've come further, even when you don't think you've come that far, you got to be quiet and you got to say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. I'm not listening to my own self, you know, um, explanation or self-analysis. Self-analysis is not from the Holy Spirit. I remember you saying that in Counsel by God. If you're analyzing yourself, it better be because the Holy Spirit yeah. is looking over and pointing some things out. He better be shining Because otherwise it's illegal. Light. It's illegal to analyze yourself void of the Holy Spirit. You don't even get to look at yourself. Only yeah. the Holy Spirit gets to and, do that. And you know, don't make your cross your bondage. Oh, there it is. I thought, yeah, that's a really good word, Pastor, because let's say someone may be feeling that, you know, they're, they're losing their focus. It's not our work to get out of that hole either. Mm. We got ourselves in the hole, but it's God doesn't want you to be the person to get yourself out of the hole. Just desire it. Just say to the Lord, if there is an area where I haven't yet get let back. go, yeah. let him show you. Yep. Don't don't go into this self-analysis as you just yeah. mentioned because yep. that would be your work as well. Yeah. So, you know, no one's bothered more by this than God. So all you have to do is say to the Lord, if, if there's an area where I'm making something an idol, then show me. Mm. And then when you show me, show me how to get out of it. You don't do anything yourself. And you can just get back on the horse if yeah. you fall yeah. off the horse. If you get off the rung, get back on the rung. Start pressing upwards and yeah. stop this wanting to look downwards all the time yep. to see how to get back to where you were. You need to be going up higher than where you were. Yeah, and I want to add something because I really um, did a lot with this in Deliverance. A great barometer of illegal self-analysis is when you self-analyze, are you left with the problem only? Are you able to allow a solution to come into what you've analyzed? Because if you're left with only the problem, that is not the Holy Spirit. He would not point out something that needs to change in you without enabling you to change. So if you keep seeing something and it's not changing, maybe God isn't focusing on it. Maybe, maybe you, you are. Maybe you don't have to change on that. Jesus is king. I hope that helps somebody. Wow. I like what you said. If it's you, illegal. It uh, is. No, but you said it's a form of idolatry. Self-analysis. Yeah. It really is. If the Holy Spirit's not shining a searchlight on it, and you are. It's your work again. It's your work. Yeah. It comes in the form of, you know, feeling like um, you don't measure up and it comes in the form, this demon, because that's what it is, comes in the form of a personality that wants to please, but really you're saying in true fact, you believe what you think about yourself more than what Jesus and all the Godhead say about you. Because you're saying that your your effort to analyze yourself is greater than how he sees you. No. And so, again, I say to you, if something's not changing and you keep having to analyze this thing over and over again, that's not being directed by the Holy Spirit. That's being directed by you. Maybe God isn't even concentrating on that, but you are. 
So that's a very, very important thing to remember. Maybe just wants to love on you. Maybe, yeah. maybe the father just wants to love on his son or his daughter. Yeah. So stop. Stop. Turn the light off and if he turns it on you, then you'll know it's him. Mm. Wow. All right, last question. But before we do that, I just want to read this because I felt to read it because I know we put it in the portals. But I just felt someone needs to hear this. This is really um, my p- prophetic portals jingle from the last portal. Love what you love, not just what you do. And mm-hmm. I think that ties into what we're talking about. Yes. If we love what he loves, we'll love which what is he the does. mercy, we'll have mercy on ourselves. And we'll love what he does <laughs> for us. Some of us find it easy to have mercy on others, but never find it easy to have mercy on ourselves. That's, again, a self-idolatry. So we'll love what he loves and we'll love what he does for us. Yep. I like that. Don't self-flagellate. You're not monks, okay? That's still all self-works. Yeah. Okay? So I'm going to read what it says. Um, This is the portal that I wrote. I hope it blesses you. It says, let us take some time to truly examine our hearts. Go deeper than emotion. Get to who we really are. By the way, these will be in the prophetic um, Canaan uh, Land journals that are coming out on ebook. Um, do we love justice more than we love the mercy? Are we more content with toughness? Do we chase down controversy? Do we personalize when we are sinned against? Or do we deputize and deflect to God instead? There's such a thing as balance found in Micah 6 verse 8. It's where the Holy Spirit longs to activate a double-packed dynamic that each believer needs, the power of matchless grace that's ready to concede and give up all the rights to live self-justified, go after the one and leave the 99. So that my life's sole focus of endless precision is now overshadowed by a bigger vision called reconciliation that brings true repentance. When I crave his compassion, and remember this is compassion for yourself, it will cut out petty vengeance. For when I can accept his justice don't look like you, it stirs up real forgiveness, they know not what they do. Our choice to point the finger to judge and accuse means that we must remember three fingers point back at you. Mm -hmm. So let him set the boundaries that lead you to reconcile, not put up bitter walls that will leave you in denial. If you can see how sin has affected the other person, then you're the perfect candidate to be trusted with a burden. Mm. We know that this revelation is easier said than done, but every destination requires only one. Thing that will stay the same, constant relationship, can filter out the symptoms of ungodly ownership. Did you get that? You can own things about yourself that you're not meant to own. Mm. So teach us Holy Spirit to let go of the grudge to live in endless light that shows undying love. For when we find the balance, this reality will be true. We will love what you love more than loving what you do. Okay? Mm. So I think that really can sum up what we've talked about tonight. If you're going to love what God loves, then you're going to be ready to give up anything that turns a blessing to a bondage. You know, and if you're going to love what he loves, then you're going to be ready to accept that you've come further than you think you have. That's right. And And, you have. And you have to hear that. Sometimes hearing that is harder than hearing you're back there. Yeah. You know. You have come further than you think you have. 
and the charge. Am I going to charge them tonight? We don't usually do a charge, but you're Dr. Uh, Robin. Charge away. <laughs> I would say to you, when they put on their sandals and put on their belt and got the staff in their hand, there was one other thing that was there and we need to have it. Excitement in the air. <laughs> I like it. You're a new rapper, Pastor. That's oh, awesome. I'm Get excited. Now. Okay, last thing to finish this off. Really good question that I left to the end of this because I think it's a really great way to finish. Jackie has another great question. The world's way of saying no to this new normal is to protest. Should we as Christians participate in this? I really, really want a good answer here because um, I see a lot of protesting on Facebook. And I think, Jackie, um, this has to be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, I don't think you can come up with an answer just to say, well, uh, that's unfair, that's not right, you know. This has to be led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I've never done protesting, so I really don't know. But um, I'm open to what the Holy Spirit says. Amen. Uh, I know that uh, sometimes uh, Paul had to be ready to uh, speak before kings. I don't know what God requires, but um, I'm open. Are you open, Pastor? Um, to protesting, you mean? Yeah, to standing up and saying... Oh, I, I would think that your protesting needs to be spiritual before it's physical. Yeah. Uh, The protesting we're talking about is church stuff. Yeah. We're not talking about different values in life. Uh, I'm talking about uh, something that we know that that isn't needs to be done. That's the only thing that I think I would be involved in. I would say to Jackie and others who are maybe contemplating what to do, um, I personally, now this is a personal conviction, I, I don't believe protesting on the streets is the way the Lord would have us conduct ourselves. Okay. I think a better way would be to get petitions out, you know, get people to sign. Well, that's a form of protest. Yeah, but it's not out on the street. It's not oh, going to dis- no. disrupt business or, you know, have um, potential, you know, rebel rousers out there. And it also promotes or could provoke a confrontation with, other public mm. protests. Mm. So I'm just telling you my personal point of view, it's not, you know, it's not no, the... No, that makes sense. It's not the, um, you know, the policy of talk or anything, but I would, you know, I was talking to Pastor on the on the way down here when we were driving down here. I believe it's the, ch- the church has enough ingeniousness, mm-hmm. if that's a word, to come up with a way, an ingenious way of of. Getting our liberties back. It's mm. a creative and, way. And without really damaging people, a way that's not damaging to people's health or mm. risking people's health and without taking away the freedom of, of the church, we need to go to God and find out what that way is. Yeah. Now, I made a suggestion to pastor, like, I'm sure churches have ways of monitoring and and keeping an eye on their people. Now, we've all been in this sort of this seclusion for a number of months now. Mm. So that has prevented many of us from, you know, falling to this thing. So we, we need to come up with an idea that's straight from heaven 
that satisfies government um, limitations and mm. also satisfies the liberty that the church needs to conduct itself as a church. And only a creative God can give you a solution to that. That's it. That will mean you'll need to go back to prayer. Yeah. Protest in the spirit before you hold up a sign. Make sure you hold up your badge of authority. I think it's one of those miracles like, you know, um, you know when Elisha was asked by the king of Israel, like, we're out here, we're going to start to go into this battle and we've all run out of water. And then Elisha says, well, dig ditches. Yeah, yeah. And he, what do you mean dig ditches? He goes, look, the word of the Lord is neither by rain, right, mm. but I'll fill these ditches. Mm. And then yeah. something must have happened. Why can't we as a church, because remember, the genius of the church has not yet been released. Unraveled, yeah. Okay? When it does, we will have a way out of this that's going to absolutely mm. blow the world's mind. Mm, that's good. And I just want to let everyone know that is a part of our talk fellowship in New York City. Not that we are doing it out of fear or we're doing it out of any, you know, um, uh, bowing the knee to, you know, what's out there. We are complying with government procedures. Yes. And we are honouring the kings that have been given the authority by God. We have, we're coming up with creative ways of when we do reopen, that we do it smart, we do it safe, and that we do it in a way that pleases both God and the government. Because our whole thing to go against the government, that's not what we're, we're not inciting rebellion. We, we go with the government until they go against God. And so um, I just want everyone to know um, we are coming up with creative ways of how we can host services where people, you know, can come. Because when we do open the shutdown, um, well, we're believing, I know you and me, Dr. Rowan, we're believing that it will become not just, uh, you know, one level. We want, we're believing that the Lord will open it right up, you know, yeah. and that they will be flabbergasted with how quick New York City turns around because that will be the power of God on display. I just want everyone to know that, you know, there are creative solutions. We are a creative people. We have the spirit of creativity, which is, you know, the Holy Spirit in us. Yep. We can create a solution together that gives us, you know, both parties meeting their requirements, that we meet the requirements of the Lord and we meet the requirements of the government in a way mm. until those requirements go against what God is asking of us. And so I just want everyone to, you know, take faith, take hope and realise, you know, we, we are, um, the Lord is really starting to download some things to us. So I have a quick testimony and I don't know if you guys would be aware of this, but um, for those of you who were at the, at the church building before the shutdown started, mm. we had our last prayer meeting here the day before and we were praying about, the whole situation and the Lord had showed me that one of the innovative ways of dealing with this thing was an inhaler and an, an atomizer yep. of sorts yep. that was able to number one uh, relax the capillaries in the lungs to breathe and number two to also attack what was creating the problem and to my amazement about three weeks ago some Scientists in California and in, I believe it's um, 
in Italy. Italy, yes, were, yes, yes. Were testing this inhaler that is for the lungs to breathe better, but also to treat to treat whatever infection or whatever you know messed up stuff was going on inside. Yeah. And so that could be another revolution that yeah you know could really work. But that's the kind of stuff I'm not talking about the science of it now, but um, you know. We as the church can present to government a way that works for both of us. That's good. Okay, well, I think we've given them enough to think about and talk about tonight. Yep. And so just uh, stay tuned for announcements coming from us on how that works and how that looks, the creative solution of doing church in a new way, not the same way, in a new way, a better way, a more powerful way, a more effective way. And uh, that's what this cocoon has birthed in us. Well, it's been an amazing portal tonight. I think we've gone into some deep places, some very challenging places. I have not stopped pressing that flesh button in my spirit. (laughs) I mean, you know, when you guys look straight at the camera, I know I'm about to press that button. So um, again, we're just thankful that you guys have joined us. You can go back and listen to this. It will be available at Talk TV, okay? It will be available on Facebook for a certain limited amount of time. And then it's going on to Talk TV. And then also we have our Portals podcast that we are going to be putting out this week on a uh, Thursday day. So look out for that. We're not sure what the Holy Spirit wants us to call it yet, but Pastor Robin will get the download. And then Pastor Tony, you are officially launching the Soap Online campus. We've had some good taste and see sessions. And I know I've been working hard at that one. I just want to give a real, real big shout out to this system. I'm telling you, I have studied, researched prophetic training you're not going to get prophetic training like this. This is more than prophetic. This is theology. This is character. This is biblical foundations. Remember, your prophecy is only as good as your theology. So foundations in the prophetic is we've we've really spent a good amount of time, myself and Pastor Tony and Brother Tim, really inputting, uh, reworking this course from the ground up. This is not the same course for those that took it. It might have the same lessons, but there's a whole lot more, you know, research, uh, practicum, activations, and we're doing it all online. This is the beauty of it. So if you want to know more information, uh, our Soap Online campus will be officially launched tomorrow and you'll be able to sign up for that course. And if you audited any of the sessions, you'll be able to add that to your uh, credit discount for your tuition. But if you want to know more information, just email info at soapny.org and uh, we can give you all the information for signing up for that course. It's been a pleasure to host this tonight. We love you. We're going to go home and have some good sleep, pondering on what God has said to us. Do some more packing. Do some more packing because <laughs> we're excited. Are you excited? I'm excited. Are you excited? Let me hear some excitement. I should see some hands clapping. Oh, well, in True Portals fashion, we're just going to go out. I'm not going to do a jingle, but we're just going to be excited and dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Look, all these hearts and I'm giving them. Here we go. I love it all. I'll do a little portal. I love it all. Give up all your new normals. Give up all your new normals. Say no to the new normal. Say yes to a new world order. <laughs> yes! Church world order. There it is. That's what we want. Not the new world order. Okay, I'll, let me let me clarify that. Yeah. Because the new world order, we're against that. 
Uh, let me try one more time. Say no to the new normal. Say no to the new normal. And yes to a church order. Ooh, the church. A new Whoa. church order is coming. It's coming. Say no to the new order. No, no. Say no, no. to the new 